Hey guys. Hey. It's uh, Haley. It oh. sounded so clear. It really did. The audio quality, I, I feel like I'm tricking myself into thinking that it's like way better than it normally is. Yeah. I feel that. Oh, I'm already sniffling. It's still a little bit under the weather here at the uh what the podcast headquarters. I'm on the mend though. Yeah, she is on the mend. She's doing a lot better. Yeah. It's been a while. I'm not contagious. Nope. Talk to the doctor. Not contagious anymore. Doctor signed off on the pod. In in, <laughs> in the beginning, I was contagious, come to find out, but it's okay. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, it's okay. I just thought it was a head cold, but anyway. She's better. I am better. I don't sound as great, but I am better. She feels like she can run a mile. I said that last time, though. You did? <laughs> I did say I could run a marathon. Oh, my gosh. Our brains are so intertwined. I know. <laughs> um, it's Haley. And Ashley. And this is What the Podcast. What yes. the podcast. podcast. Anyway, um, you guys, episode 10. We made it to the 10th episode. Can you believe it? We've done 10 episodes of this podcast. I can't believe it. Ten's a bit, that means we've been doing this for... 10 weeks. 11 weeks. 11 weeks. That is insane. Got the yawnies. <laughs> well, you better wake up. Yeah. This episode. Drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs> Do the Dew. I'm hyped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, Ashley, would you like to tell everybody what this episode is? Sure. Um, this episode is about the ongoing case of the Idaho Four murders. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have sound, sounded so hype like I did the last episode, too. It's still we going to be, it. like, it's an informative, hopefully. Hopefully yeah. the facts are right. I got them off website, so, you know, the internet never lies. Sorry. So we'll see. Getting all the snot out of my nostril. <laughs> Yum. I'm glad this one isn't um, televised. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's a crime cast. So, well, this episode is. Yeah. And any true crime is usually pretty extensive. We're still kind of feeling that out. So, just kind of bear with us. And I'm probably, y'all know how bad I am at reading. No, you're great at reading. Okay. Uh, That's a lie. Let me just stop you there. James and I were doing trivia crack the other day. Mm -hmm. And... I was reading them out loud for him, and he was like, why can you not read, Ashley? <laughs> and he's dead serious. He's like, I cannot stand when you read to me. And I'm like, I know. It's been a problem since I was, look, I got held back in the second grade. I'm not the brightest. Is it, what is it about the reading? Is it the way that you read aloud? I think it's just reading out loud. Like, it's like my brain goes so fast, I skip words, or I stumble, over, or I can't pronounce yeah. words. It's really weird, yeah. but, like, in my head, I can pronounce that word no problem. Right. But That's like, why I like to read so much. Yes, but outside, like, when I'm having to read out loud, it's, like, the easiest of words. I'm like, why can I not function? Like, why can I not speak, speak that word? Did you guys ever do, like... <laughs> popcorn reading in school yes and you counted the people that were in front of you to yep. see which paragraph you're gonna read and i re i read it over and over i hated that and it was i was always the student they called on to read randomly oh. it made me so mad really oh i hated reading and i think my teachers know it and i think they dug in deep because was of it. it like the fear of being called on to popcorn read that you weren't even like taking in what was being read yeah like i yeah, I have. I've. I, I can put money on it that I have a learning disability or something, and I don't. A lot of people struggle with reading. I I read perfectly fine though, like when it's just me. But like you ask me to read out loud, and it's like instantly like all those skills that I have There's are just something like, gone. like in the connection between reading yeah. it and then that, or I'm it. just like dyslexic, and I don't know it. Do you think so? I mean, sometimes, especially at work, when I read numbers aloud, yeah, I read them backwards a lot. Oh, and I don't know if that's like a like straight up dyslexia or not, but I know it's a problem where I don't know if my brain's just going so fast. Could be that I'm reading it backwards. Up. Maybe if I get it all the time. 
That's okay. It happens. So anyway, so for some of these last names, I'm probably going to end up saying just like the first letter, like G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of their last names start with a different letter. Yeah. <laughs> or we can just say their first names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got to remember which one's which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, um, the Idaho Four murders, as when it happened um, last November, it was pretty widely broadcasted yeah broadcasted talked about especially on social media mm-hmm. we're kind of in the age where especially on tiktok any any sort of like breaking kind of crime <laughs> everybody's going to be talking about yeah um so they covered this a lot on tiktok a lot on you know twitter and on the news so i mean it's a scary thing oh it's terrifying it makes you not want to send your kid to school yeah i mean period i mean these these were college kids but even then i mean and this happened in a you know small idaho college town i think it's like the number one safest city in the country or something is it hold on really yeah i know it's up there i wonder if it is now since this has happened (laughs) that sounded kind of messed up but that was a genuine question Moscow, Idaho. Let's see. Safest city ranking. Okay, yeah, it says uh, violent crimes is assault, rape, murder, and armed battery often happen less often in Moscow than in most of America. Oh, wow. One's chance of becoming a victim of a violent crime here is... One in 2,585. Wow. Well, that's that makes it even scarier then because imagine being a parent and, and it says, and, you know, totally trusting your community. Yeah. And it says, which is a violent crime rate of zero per 1,000. Oh my gosh. That's, I would say that's a pretty safe city. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. Oh, this is going to be also, this is going to be a two-part episode special. Yeah. So, episode 10, this episode will be part one. Episode 11 will be part two. So, that's pretty fun. That's new. Hopefully. Let's just hope that we don't accidentally fit everything in one <laughs> Into this one yeah. episode. There's a chance that may happen. If if it is, then we'll come up with something on the spot. Yeah. For 11. Yeah. Ooh, mystery episode. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll just dive right into it. Um, Ashley, do you want to start with the beginning basics? You want me to start with it? Okay. Alrighty, so just to kind of give a little preface, the four students that were tragically murdered were Ethan Chapin, which was 20 years old, Madison Mogan, 21, Zana Kernodal, 20, and Kaylee Gonzalez, she was 21. So on the night of Saturday, November 12th, um, Kaylee and Madison, who were best friends, went out to the Corner Club bar in Moscow, according to the local police. Meanwhile, um, Chapin and Kernodal, which was Zana and Ethan, they were dating. They decided to go to the Sigma Chai house on Saturday night. Um, they had two other roommates and those two roommates actually survived the attack. They also went out to Moscow. So everybody's out kind of, you know, in pairs doing their own thing. And they were out pretty late or pretty early into that next Sunday morning. So at about one forty in the morning, uh, Gonzalez and Mogan were seen on video at a grub truck, uh, which was a local food vendor. And they used a private individual to get a ride home. They got back to their house at about 145. Um, a man seen in surveillance video at the grub truck and the person who drove them home are not considered suspects, by the way, according to They the, were at first, though. They were at first, yeah. But then it was, they, they came cleared. to the conclusion that they yeah had been cleared. Um, Ethan and uh, Zana got home also at about 145 in the morning. Ethan didn't live at their house, but he stayed over because, of course, he and Zana had been dating, so he decided to spend the night. Um, 
police believed that the murders kind of happened between four in the morning and four twenty-five. So that's a pretty specific window of time mm-hmm. for that to have happened. Um, and the interesting thing is that Xana was awake because she had gotten a DoorDash order at about four o'clock in the morning. Um, but she had also, they could see that she was on TikTok at about 412. So really from about the time of 412 to 425 is when this kind of unfolded. She could have been in the house while she was on TikTok. He could have been in the house. That's true. But the murders actually happening yeah i don't think i mean unless her tiktok was still open yeah but but yeah there was activity that she was on tiktok um one of the roommates that survived said she woke up at around four o'clock and she thought that she heard gonzalez playing with her dog according to the affidavit um and in a short time after the that same roommate said that she heard uh Gonzalez say something like there's somebody here or I think there's somebody here um but that could have been Xana on her phone on TikTok so they're not too sure about that um but that roommate is also the one who looked out of her bedroom and she didn't see anything um but she opened her door a second time when she thought she heard somebody crying and she thought it was somebody crying from Xana's room, mm-hmm. which then, you know, we come to find out she most likely was. Um, but the roommate then said that she heard a male voice saying something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you, like something consoling, which mm-hmm. is creepy. Um, and then she opened her door again, and she saw a man in black clothes and a mask walk past her. And she kind of stood there frozen and in shock and she didn't move, but he just kind of walked right past her. And there's a lot of like talk about this. Yes, there is. Would you like to share some of it, Ashley? Well, because I don't know if it's in our notes at all, but um, I remember she was getting a lot of flack on. She was. And like, I can kind of understand why she was like, I'm not like victim blaming or anything no, like that, sure. but like. I mean, I get being in shock. Like, I've been in shock, like, maybe not to that extent. But, like, I've had, like, like when we had that incident of somebody trying to break into our house while we were home. And, um... That's, like, my worst fear. Yeah, I was, like, shaking. I was so scared. Like, thankfully, my husband was home. Right. But, um... Come to find out, they weren't breaking in. They were just the wrong place, and he was too drunk to know it. But um still though in the time it was scary as hell but um i still we were still able to call 911 and stuff like that which i'm also married to a police officer who's like good under pressure right but like i can't uh, being a being a teenager living i mean 20 alone well yeah being a young adult in college living alone not with i mean their parents there or anybody there with them yeah i'm trying to understand it but i'm also like you live with six other people yeah and there's someone in the house like go in your room shut the door lock it and call 911 right and that's unless she thought she was imagining it like i would have four in the morning like rolling up i mean they might probably used to be up at four in the morning but like i know if i just wake up at four in the morning and roll over and happen to see somebody there i'm i'm probably thinking i'm half asleep well especially if you're scared yeah because she was she was in shock but the reason that she was getting a lot of people kind of saying what like kind of raising their eyebrow online is because <coughs> the first 911 call yeah didn't come in until about 12 o'clock in the afternoon it was at like 11 something 11 58 yeah yep so from let's say around 4 30 because i imagine that had to have been around the time that it ended mm-hmm. from 4 30 to you know lunchtime that same day nobody called 911 like did she fall asleep uh you know i have no idea i can't imagine that she would have if she was if, i mean if i thought that there was somebody in my house i'm not going to bed i'm staying awake yeah. and calling the police to me it's weird i don't think she's like in on it or anything like don't get me wrong but it's just it's just 
odd. And the fact is, I don't know if it mentions it or not, but when the 911 call was placed, there was multiple people at the house. Yes, there were. So that's odd to me. So like she would have called her friends over to then call the said police. Right. And she reporting a friend unconscious, 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 unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, she, that's what they called about. Yeah. So you're telling me you walked in the room, saw all the blood, all the everything, yeah. and then reported someone unconscious. Like, yeah. That you didn't see somebody walk by your door. That's where I'm getting a little confused. Which they did say that they didn't put out there that she saw them just in case the murderer came back. That's why they didn't make it public that she did see somebody until way later. So it made it seem like she she didn't didn't see anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, still like my like I get that. Like I understand that. But my thing is, is like. To call 911 and just say, hey, my friend's, like, not waking up. When there's more to it and yeah, they've been stabbed. There, It's a gruesome scene you walk right. into. Like, f- there was blood draining from the outside oh walls of the home. That's horrible. It's, it's, it's just, that's an odd thing. And I get she's getting a lot of backlash, so I'm not trying to add to that. Right, right, right. But, like... It just it's makes just you weird. question the way that it's presented to the public. It's it's makes, strange. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see if more stuff comes out about that to see what's going on because I do know that the guy that ended up getting arrested, his attorneys are subpoenaing, subpoena, oh yes, her um, to testify or not testify, but to get interviewed. Right. And she's and they're fighting it where she doesn't want to do it at yeah. all. She wants to be out of it completely. I don't blame her. I mean, that's to kind of relive that would be horrible, but I bet she has survivor's guilt really bad. I'm sure she does. I mean, and you know that she's got to be seeing this stuff online too. Yeah. It's, it was all over the place, but anyway, when, so the, that roommate said that she didn't recognize the man, um, she said walk toward the house's sliding glass door. She described him as about five foot 10 or taller, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows um, at about four seven. She was coherent enough to get describe some sort him. of characteristics yeah. of him. Yeah. It's crazy. Did she go back to sleep? That that's, stuff just blows my mind. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like if you're, if, if she was in that much shock, I cannot imagine. I mean, unless she passed out or something from being so scared. But I mean, she wouldn't have been passed out until we should have got James's opinion o'clock. on this. Oh man, we should have asked him his opinion. Yeah, maybe we can talk him into giving a quick quip. Hold on, let me go ask him. Okay, BRB. Okay, so I went and talked to James. I'm so excited to hear what he had to say. Well, he was like, I explained the situation and he said, you know, with today's society, Mm -hmm. you can't, she probably just sat there scared to death and just did not move. Right. And called like my thought process when I was talking to him was, oh, well, maybe she called people over to like, she didn't want to come out of the room until somebody else was there. Right. But he was just like, with today's society, you never know how people are going to react. Yeah. And she's probably just frozen, scared to death and just didn't move yeah. and he said that and i said well what about the 911 call why would she say like why would they report somebody unconscious 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 uh-huh. why can't i say that word but um and he was like well did you hear the 911 call and i was like well no because mm-hmm. they haven't released it and right. he was like well, what happened probably was is they said oh, crap what did he say something along the lines of like um they're not moving or something like that and then the 911 dispatcher probably responded with well are they conscient or conscious thank you mm-hmm. and um they probably responded with no so that's where that term probably came from is right. the dispatcher probably asked and then the response was no they're not and yeah. then that's where it got kind of twisted and put out there in, in the that, way that it was kind of yeah. perceived i'd be curious with the night so he said you really there's nothing you can tell by unless you listen to that 911 call right right okay that makes sense i mean it could have been construed a lot differently to the dispatcher and then yeah. conveyed that way to the public i mean yeah okay i mean that makes sense and i mean i get i get what he's saying because 
I would have probably, I don't know. I probably would have called 911, but I probably would not have come out of the room. But also, I'm so afraid of home invasion Yeah, that I, I don't know if this is like an inappropriate thing to kind of like link the two, but mm-hmm. like when I was younger, I was so afraid of Santa and like the Easter Bunny and just anybody that would come into our home at night mm-hmm. <laughs> that like on Christmas Eve, I would put my body fully under my comforter. And I would not crack it open in the slightest. Yeah. So I would just sweat. I always slept with my brother because I, I was terrified. all night long because I would not give myself any airflow because I was so terrified yeah. to see that anybody was in our home. Yeah. So I no, I, I had the I same way. I slept with my brother for a lo- many of years. That's so wild. Because I was terrified. I loved Christmas. Yeah. But the thought of somebody coming into my house at night, like while we're all asleep. Mm-hmm. My kid has no Terrifying. Fear terrifying yeah anyway so I, I i get that i get it anyway i still would probably call 911 i still probably would have called 911 anyway let me okay so let me get back to where we were um i mean not that calling 911 probably would have done anything right really at the end of the day i mean obviously well they never came out and said that if saying 911 came immediately, could any of them been saved? That was no. my first thought process, but I don't think they could have been. They w- Well, later on, it said that in one of the reports, <laughs> let me actually find it. Um, where is it? I literally just read it. Oh my gosh, I cannot find it. Oh, right here. In uh, an interview with Gonzalez's father on the 28th of that month, he told ABC News that they did die quickly and they did not bleed for hours. So an earlier 911 call would not have saved them. That's what I figured. They were stabbed so many times. Too much loss of blood and too much trauma to their bodies. bodies. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So, I mean, it just, I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Brutal. The whole thing is just weird. But about 4.17 a.m., a security camera less than 50 feet from Xana's room um, picked up sounds of a barking dog because she had a dog and distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper followed by a loud thud, according to the documents. On the morning, that next morning, the 13th, the two roommates called friends over to their house because they thought one of the victims on the second floor had passed out and wasn't waking up, police said. See, that's what I'm saying. doesn't make sense to me. Did they not go check on, like, did they not go into their other friend's room? Well, not that, but, like, even if it's just that one room, then passed out. Haley's allergic to my cat, so that's why she's sniffling you guys. <laughs> I did take. It's not medicine. so much that she's sick. It's because she's allergic to my cat. <laughs> I, it will get better. Just give it, give me time. <laughs> um, but no, like it says, um, where'd it go? Uh, oh yeah. They thought one of the victims on the second floor had passed out and wasn't waking up. Right. How could you not tell they were stabbed multiple times? Right. Not just passed out. Like it just does not make sense. Make it make sense. If you look at somebody laying on the ground with visible wounds, because I mean, didn't it say... They were stabbed multiple times. Yeah. There's no way they didn't I, see I've that. got to listen to this 911 call. They've got to release it because it just doesn't make sense. If it was. And this is this just how the news are. The news right, is reporting is this. It. Yeah. But if it was conveyed to the dispatchers that way, that's sketchy. Yeah. I'm not saying that they did it. I'm not no, saying it. No, no, no. But that is that's a red flag. That's 100% a red flag. I Unless that, we don't know how the body was, it still could have been, he could have covered them up with a comforter, you know? I, w- I mean, would you not, like, pull blankets off of your friend if they're unconscious? Yeah. I just try to, like, envision if it was you, what that scenario would have been like. I just don't know why it would be conveyed to the public. Yeah. That That's why, because they, they would have, they should have thought that she's going to get backlash. That's what I would think. They should have thought this is going to make her look like once they cleared her, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. They should have been like, this is going to make her look really sketchy. Yeah. And I'm not saying she did it by any means. I don't think she did. No. There's too much evidence. Against the person that got arrested. But it's strange. Maybe she. And then it comes into play. Why didn't he kill her? That's what I, I mean. She's he walked right past her. But but okay. after watching so many crime docs and stuff like that, and watching stuff on killers and stuff, the adrenaline you get from killing people and stabbing someone to death makes you exhausted. Like the exhaustion you get from stabbing someone to death, one person to death is just unbelievable. Apparently, imagine stabbing four people to death, and then he's done. He's done stabbing people to death, and he just he's. He's done. He's on a high. He's probably coming down from it. And he's walking through the house and he sees another person. And he's like, right. I, I don't have it in me. I, can't, I probably can't fight her. My thought was, which and it's, I mean, it's not to sound gruesome, but like my kind of thinking was if she was standing like in the crack of her door, which it made it sound like she was, and she kind of saw him walk past, mm-hmm. maybe his thinking was she's standing he doesn't want to make that much noise to where other people hear and then come out mm-hmm. because he's going for people that are either asleep or yeah. already in a position where well, he can easily access them. Was there another roommate there? There was two. Two that were untouched. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, yeah. That's that's the only thing that, which, and, and you're right too. I mean, that's a pretty strenuous, like. Yeah. Like I, I've read and seen a lot of videos on like stabbing people. It's uh, like but you would think that he wouldn't want to leave anybody behind, right? Yeah. But ima- like, I can't imagine stabbing unless he saw her after death. the fact. But but the way that I envision it is, he walked past her room to get to. How did she not see him like covered in blood, like over all over his face or all over the his mask and stuff? She saw his eyebrows. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't there be blood know. up there? Unless he like, well, she said that he saw him at their back door, mm. didn't she? Hang on. Oh yeah, the roommate said she didn't recognize the man who she said walked toward the house's sliding glass door, or maybe he was walking out. Or uh, so it's it's up for debate. Was it after or before did he kill? I don't know that she saw him. I don't know because when I read it. When I first read it, I think he's coming in. Yeah. and But that's what I think because she's able to see not very muscular but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. So if she can see him at their sliding glass It had to have been after because she said she heard someone say, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Which that was him talking to Xana because Xana put up a fight is what they say yeah. in the docs. And then um, and then he must have walked by after the, after the fact. Yeah, maybe. And then just kind of glanced at her and walked out. Yeah, I, well, I also don't understand how you're awake and you don't hear four people being stabbed to death. I feel like that would be pretty loud. Like, Especially because if you read on further, I don't know if we've said this yet. I think you did. About at 417. The security the camera. The security camera caught. Of their neighbor of picked their, up audio. Yeah. So unless, like, I'm thinking what's going on is just stuff hasn't been released yet. It's got to be. Because at this yeah. point, it's like. They're waiting, I guess, until they yeah. have enough to kind of... And they're trying to together. save them, I think, from public scrutiny. But it's doing the opposite, I think. But, I mean, they've been cleared. Yeah. So... I don't think they did it. Like, I, I have no inkling either. in me that think they did it. I just think the whole situation's a little weird. There's, like, missing pieces. And I think it's just how the police are portraying it right. instead of... Laying it all out Because, like, they're not even released the names. I mean, now you can find the names. Right. But... They, they weren't allowed to release the names at first. They were trying to keep it as hush-hush as possible. So right. I'm thinking that's what the problem is. Or not the problem, but what the issue is, is that they're not releasing enough information for them to... That it's not making sense, sense. to us. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which I don't think is her fault by any means. No. But it's just unfortunate. And even if she did it the way that it's being portrayed, yeah. at the end of the day, you survived and, you know... That's... I'm so sorry right. it happened to you. Like, I can't imagine what you're going All through. All friends were just brutally murdered. Yeah, like, and survivor's guilt. I can't, like, why me type she thing. She live. She was inside the house. Yeah, and night. saw the person. Like, I can't imagine. 
oh my gosh. So yes, the their neighbor's security camera does pick up that audio. Um, and then the next morning, the roommates called the friends over um, because they thought that one of their, their friends had kind of passed out or was unconscious and wasn't waking up. At 11.58 a.m., a 911 call from one of the roommate's phones requested help for an unconscious person, police said. Responding officers then found the four victims. Authorities said they do not believe anyone at the house at the time of the 911 call was involved in the murders. After the bodies were discovered, authorities reviewed surveillance video and saw the suspect's white Hyundai Elantra go by the victim's house three times before entering the area for a fourth time at 4.04 a.m., according to the documents. So this person, this suspect, drove past their house three times, mm-hmm. my guess, kind of scoping it out, contemplating, waiting until he thought that it was the right time, and then at 4. And then the fourth time was at 4.04 a.m. So right before he went in. Um, Police said they traced the car's travel that night back to Pullman, Washington, where he lived. And at this point, the suspect is Brian Koberger. And he has been arrested. Yeah, and it says... um, Koberger's phone was tracked heading to Moscow before the attack, but the phone was off between 2.47 a.m. to 4.48 a.m., which is consistent with Koberger's attempt, attempting to conceal his location during the quadruple homicide. So he turned his phone off right before 3 o'clock in the morning and then turned it back on. Yeah. Oh. After the fact. Yeah. Dumb. Which is a huge Even red flag in to itself. leave your phone at, right. like, at your house. Exactly. Sorry, guys. We're just kind of like dying out of it. (laughs) We're just kind of out of it. It's okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, because why did he think? Well, he just thought he wasn't going to get caught. But he was like, just to be safe, let me turn my phone off. That way they can't trace it back to me being here. Yeah. But then again, that's so suspicious. I have a picture. Let me look at it. Um, okay, so it's the timeline broken down by like exact minutes. And it says, okay, so 145, Zana and Ethan return home from the party. 156 a.m. Kaylee and Madison arrive back home after getting food from the food truck. 247, the phone belonging to Brian stops connecting to the cell phone network. 253, surveillance videos show the white Elantra traveling toward the highway between Pullman and Moscow. Um, hold on, let me make my screen bigger. We're literally like another sick cast. Sorry, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Three twenty-nine surveillance video shows the white Elantra entering the victim's neighborhood. Four a.m. Xana's uh, orders and receives a DoorDash delivery at home. Four o four surveillance video showing the white Elantra and to the area for the fourth time during the near the victim's house 412 Zana is still awake on TikTok according to her phone records near the same time the downstairs roommate tells investigators she heard crying she said she then heard a male's voice telling me it's okay I'm going to help you 417 a whimper a thud and dog barking can be heard on the security camera um and then around the same time downstairs the roommate opens the door again and sees the man with bushy eyebrows in a black clothing and mask walking past her towards the sliding door downstairs roommate said she then locked herself in her room 420 the white elantra seen leaving the neighborhood at a high speed rate 448 brian Koberger's phone reconnects to the cell networks um that's a town south of moscow blaine the town that's south of moscow and then 530 brian Koberger's phone is detected back in pullman washington Oh my gosh. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And then 912, which we'll probably get to these, but I'm just reading over the timestamps. Yeah, yeah. But 912, Brian Koberger's phone is connected to a cellular network in Moscow near the scene of the murders. 
And then 921, his phone connects to the area of his home in um, Pullman. 1158 and 911 call is reported to the person reported. So pretty much he comes back to the scene to figure out why is this not all over the news yet. Yeah. That's so scary. Well, the fact that he was testy enough to go back. Yeah. And just like be there. After he had already been in that area before, <laughs> it says too that his phone was located near their house at least 12 times before the murders took place, going back as far as August of that year. Yeah. So, I mean, August, September, October, November, for four months, he was in their neighborhood or near their house 12 times. Mm-hmm. So. And then November 17th, autopsies conducted on November 17th determine all victims were stabbed multiple times. Um, this kind of breaks down who the kids are. So Chapin uh, was a triplet and he was born right before his sister and brother who was attended the University of Idaho as well. He was one of the most incredible people you'll ever know. His mother, Stacey Chapman, told reporters before his memorial service he lived his best life at college um he laughed continuously and he smiled when he woke up and was smiling when he went to bed he was kind to all and a friend to all he was a triplet so i mean i can't imagine and he had a brother and a sister i can't imagine losing anybody in your family to that but the bond but the bond between triplets and then living in the same place because they all i think were from out of different areas yeah and they all just happen to go to school at idaho at the university of idaho oh my gosh that is so terrible that is so terrible um let's see monday the 28th november 28th gonzalez's father steve told abc news oh and this is where he kind of told them that they it was quick apparently according to the police reports an earlier call to 911 would not have saved them just because they had been stabbed so many times. There was so much trauma. Um, he said nobody suffered and nobody felt that kind of pain. Um, he did say that he's feeling, the dad said he's feeling a little bit defeated and frustrated by the lack of transparency from the police, but he still supports and trusts the law enforcement officers who are diligently working on the investigation. They And here's another thing is that when they died, um, I don't know, were those pictures in here? Yeah, no. Um, I think I added them. No, they're in the other doc. But it kind of explains, like, where everybody was in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, so the two girls, I don't know which ones, but the two the two girls were in a bed, and then Ethan and his girlfriend were in the other bed. Right. You would think this would be a two-person job. And they and they even said it right. that they thought it was because my thought process is how do you stab two people at the same time? Well, this is Xana was awake. Yeah. Was Ethan asleep? And even if so, Xana would have seen him come in or like even if her back was like turned to the door or something, he would have had to have gone for Ethan first. Uh, yeah, that would be the smart thing to do. Right. Unless she was just half asleep and not really like awake. I don't know. I don't know. I I did read a thing that said she she really put up a fight though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So did Ethan. It's so sad, but like I just can't the logic behind all this is so confusing to me. I know. And Brian's not a big guy. Like I mean, he's tall, but he's very lean, slim, skinny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the the roommate said he's not like athletic he's not got a big build but like he's you know got a small stature i guess i don't know um so kind of catching up to tuesday november 29th moscow police asked the authorities to look out for white elantras and on november 29th a washington state university police officer searched cars that matched that description and found one registered to Koberger. Um, so 
which Washington Pullman, where he's from in Washington, I don't think is very far. I think it's from. like a ten minute drive. Is it Washington? I kind of want to look it up and see. Pullman to Moscow. Oh yeah, it is fifteen minutes. And so if he's going fast, it's probably like ten. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. So Wednesday, November thirtieth, grieving families and classmates gather at the University of Idaho for a candlelight vigil. Uh, Ethan's mother spoke, and Madison's dad. All the parents spoke, and their siblings. Um, I'm not going to read everything they say because it's, it's pretty sad. much along the lines of their sweet and funny and Missed. they don't deserve this right right um on december 7th um about a week later the police announced to the public that they were looking to speak with the driver of the white 2011 2013 Hyundai uh-huh. elantra that was seen in the immediate area of the victim's house in november 13th anyone with any information on the car was asked to contact the tip line as the one-month mark hit, Moscow Police Captain Roger Lanier said police are closely guarding the information they've discovered at the scene and the investigation information because they wanted to protect the integrity of it. But he promised, the investigation is not cold. We get tips every day that are viable. Those tips help us do everything from clear people to further some of the theories that we're working on. Um and he also said that eventually they're going to narrow in on exactly what happened and who did it. So he's kind of telling the public, you know, they're doing everything they can. They're yeah. going to catch this guy because mm-hmm. people are upset and scared. You know, like <coughs> Ashley said, this is one of the safest communities in America. I mean, especially Which for any community. Town. It's like that's like a shock because right. this at this point. They're calling this person a serial killer because it, it's a mass murder. I mean, yeah. I think, I don't know if that's actually the definition of a mass murder, but I mean, to kill four people in one night. Yeah. I, know, I mean, a he's a serial killer. killer. Right. So they eventually see or stop Koberger and his father. Um, Which you've got to watch the video if you haven't seen it. Yes, because it is so, so telling. It is so telling. Like, we have a picture here of his face when the officer is talking to the dad and asking him, like, he ahead. pulled over his dad and him, and Brian was driving, and yeah. then his dad was in the passenger seat, and the officer pulled him over, and then he's like, where are y'all going? And he told him the dad was just being, he was like, oh, we're leaving from the University of Idaho, and going to pennsylvania or whatever yeah and um brian looks at him in the video like what are you doing like the look on his i have a picture here and the look on his face is just like what why are you telling him all this information like you just gave us all away yeah (coughs) um so they do arrest him because he's a suspect at this point uh, after his arrest, the sheriff's departments and state police said... Now, they didn't arrest him during the traffic stop. No, not during the traffic stop. He got pulled over twice. In one day. In one day. One yeah. for speeding and one for following too close. Yep. And they, in a... I don't know if it says this, but the police added, yeah, that um, they were stopped minutes um, between each other, one by state trooper and one by a sheriff's deputy. And... um they they had no idea what was going on in Idaho. I'm sure they knew it was going on, but they didn't. They there was no connection right. to Brian getting pulled over to the Idaho murders. Yes, there was no. It just was coincidence that he happened to get pulled over twice. Yeah, yeah. So they let him go with a verbal warning. Mm-hmm. That second police officer that pulled him over or had seen where they had already been pulled over prior, so he just kind of let them off. Um. But kind of fast forwarding December 27th, authorities are kind of checking the DNA from the suspect. And it was recovered on a knife sheath that he left on a victim's bed. Um, The police recovered trash from Koberger's parents' house in Pennsylvania. And a lab determined that the DNA from the trash was the father of the person who left DNA on the knife sheath. So they ran 
some of the DNA from Brian's parents' house on their trash. And it showed that it, that was the father of whoever had had that knife sheath, mm-hmm. which ultimately was Brian. Yeah. So with that, they make an arrest because it's a pretty compelling piece of this person as a suspect, you know, or the suspect. Um, and he was arrested in Pennsylvania's Pocono Mountains in the early hours of December 30th. Yeah. So the family, um, the family's told, um, that they don't know who Brian is or, and they're happy and relieved and thankful that there's been an arrest. Um, the Moscow police chief, James Fry said, no arrest will ever bring back the young students. However, we do believe justice will be found through the criminal process. Yes. Um, January 3rd, Koberger, who was arrested for four counts of first degree murder and burglary, agreed to be extradited to Idaho during his court appearances in Monroe County. Labar said in a statement, his client, quote unquote, is eager to be exonerated of these charges and looks forward to resolving these matters as promptly as possible. So it kind of sounds like he's pleading not guilty. Yeah, he is. Um, on January 4th, he was extradited to uh, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And um, on January 5th, the Idaho State Court released court documents um, that revealed never-before-seen details of the police investigation. As Koberger made his first court appearance in Moscow that same day, Kaylee's parents stared him down as he entered the courtroom in a bright orange jumpsuit and no shackles. Charges were read for the murders of each student. The judge said each victim was stabbed and murdered with premeditated Uh premeditation with malice and forethought. Families were overcome with emotion as their children's names were read. The judge was asked Brian if he wants to represent himself or have a court appointed attorney. And he calmly replied, I have a court appointed counsel. Mm -hmm. So later on January 11th, classes resumed at the University of Idaho for the first time since his arrest. Ethan's siblings, who were also Idaho students, returned to campus on Tuesday. Um, And Stacy, his mom, said Hunter was really glad to be back at his fraternity and Maisie was warming up to the idea, but was so good to hear all of the girls squeal with delight upon seeing her. So it's... Ethan's mom is kind of happy that um, mm-hmm. her, her, you know, two surviving children are kind of getting back to, well, not normalcy, but. I assume they came back because somebody friends. got arrested. Yeah. I wouldn't have come back. I would not have come back. And I bet a lot of students left because of that reason. I'm sure. I'm sure. And what killed me is that, let's probably shouldn't say that, but what, <laughs> um, what bothered me was that the police came out and said um they think it was an isolated attack it wasn't something that like the community should be should be concerned about and i'm like that's bullshit yeah i'm sorry but like you should have known who it was if you said that well and even the parent i mean because the parents earlier said they don't know who brian is so for me like if i was a parent that would make me more concerned that Mm -hmm. this is just a serial killer who's trying to kill people yeah i mean if if they don't think that there's a connection between their kids and brian that's even scarier and like in the next episode we'll talk more about like the evidence and stuff that they found yes but like for this to like we still got a little bit of time but to somewhat like end it my, i just my thought process just vanished I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> i had a full thought was it related to it was related to this i don't know what it was (laughs) let's backtrace our steps okay we were talking about how i'm feeling it's not gonna come back to me oh no (sighs) oh i remember now let's go okay okay A lot of like Nancy Grace and all of them came out and said, there's no way, absolutely no way this is his first time. Right. There's no way he'd have to do it. So then people were coming out with like, could he have done this murder? Could he have done this one? Could he have done this one? I don't know which ones, but like unsolved, unsolved murders from. Yeah. Right. 
And um, then they went back to his hometown and talked to that police department and looked over every single unsolved case. And they went through, combed through them and made sure that um, he couldn't have been responsible for any of those. Right. And then if we backtrack a little bit to talk about him prior, because I don't think I have any notes on him prior, like before all this, when yeah. he was in high school, apparently he was a bully. I did find a Vanity Fair article that goes over him kind of in his adolescence and mm-hmm. it pulls interviews from people who went to school with him, girls who went on dates with him who got really weird. Do you have it pulled vibes. up? Yeah, I sure do. Okay. Go for it. Okay, let's see. Um, let's see. Well, it starts <laughs> off by saying, this is an article by Vanity Fair. So it kind of starts <laughs> off by saying, um, Brian Koberger was unusual, but he didn't necessarily want to be. In middle school, he wore polos and tried to be popular. Instead, he was known by some for being creepy. With a dead-eyed stare, he pursued unattainable girls, mainly the pretty ones who were out of his league, as one classmate later puts it. He gave them a weird feeling in their stomach. Um, and then there was um, an interview with a girl that he had gone on a Tinder date with. Um, let me find it. Let's see. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, after graduating high school in 2013, Brian returned to his old stopping grounds in Pleasant or at Pleasant Valley High School to work as a security guard. According to Haley Willette, she and Brian went on a Tinder date in 2015 to see an action movie. At the theater, Brian's behavior struck Haley as normal. He held the door for her. He was polite. He was able to hold a conversation who Haley described him as quiet and not shy. But at the time, um, Haley was just like Kaylee and Maddie. Mm-hmm. So he kind of went for girls that were out of his league, you know, mm-hmm. I guess trying to kind of move up the ranks or whatever. Um, after the movie, Brian drove Haley back to her dorm at Penn state. He kind of invited himself inside. Haley later recalled. And she was just like, okay, I went along with it. I was young. I was stupid. And I thought I was invincible. In Haley's dorm room, they watched another movie on Netflix. To Haley's confusion, Brian kept tickling her, then pretending he hadn't just tickled her, saying in a voice that Haley described as super serious, I'm not touching you. When Haley told Brian she needed to use the bathroom, he followed her there, standing right outside the door. Haley wasn't impressed. She thought to herself, I need to get this dude to leave. So knowing that Brian could hear her, Haley pretended to throw up. It wasn't because I was scared of him or like thought he would hurt me if I asked him to leave. It was just mostly because I'm socially awkward and didn't know how to ask him to leave. So that's what I did. Her plan seemed to work. After hearing Haley throw up, Brian messaged her that he was leaving. Awesome, she thought. She assumed she was free of him. About an hour later, he messaged her a note she had good birthing hips oh my god i wish a dude would say that to me how creepy and then it says she never spoke to him again i've actually had a guy say something like that before really he no someone walked by him one time or i was with this guy and i was yeah. kind of seeing and um a girl walked by and he was like i can tell she's um by the her by her hips that she's had sex before <gasps> what? and i was like how can you tell that and he was like just the way a woman's hips are after you have sex goodbye oh and you i'm think like that my body is gonna just yeah change like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that is a weird thing to say like who says stuff like that sorry i just called this guy out but like should have been like jokes on you my virgin yeah. <laughs> well it wasn't about me it was no, about a girl yeah. that yeah that walked by and i was just and this was anyway but stupid yeah guys are stupid yeah shout out to all the guys out there that say compliment or say things about women's hips and hips that's so creepy yeah that's so creepy anyway so yeah i mean that's just kind of a small portrayal and then in the vanity fair um article it shows the picture of him after he'd been booked like in the turtle suit and it's so creepy like it his eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's on the dock. Ugh. It just um, creeps me out. But it didn't talk about really about how he was in high school, did it? Uh, let me see. It said, so in high school, he was a bully. He he was he was overweight. And then he got hooked on, like, meth. Or was it meth? What drug of choice was it? 
I don't remember heroin or something like that. And he lost a bunch of weight and he came back and he was just like a bully and he was whatever. So his friend stopped talking to him because he was addicted to like heroin or something. And then, um, yeah. And he was just like weird. I'm looking it up right now. see early life he was also a teaching assistant and people yes. said that he was really creepy and like and harsh, harsh. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh same these every time okay let's see and then if you want to talk about his who he hold on he was a teaching assistant for a professor mm-hmm that um wrote the book about which murderer um, uh tbk or um what's, what's a murderer's name teaching assistant it was for psychology T- wasn't it he was teaching a- assistant for but he was in for criminal justice like he he wanted to be a police officer i think for professor who wrote the book for okay here we go um a serial killer expert who taught the man of accused of killing four Idaho students took Newsweek. She's not making any statements at the media this time. Uh, let's see. He is a PhD student, teaching assistant of the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Washington State University, located nine miles west of University of Idaho. Uh, Somebody said that they think that he had like a they think that he's not necessarily like a um i don't know idolizing like serial killers but they think mm-hmm. that he, maybe he had just a compulsion to do it he wanted to know what it felt like mm-hmm. because he was into psychology and that that's kind of what he was studying yeah he wanted to kind of get inside the mind of one so they think that he had this like compulsion to do it okay so he was taught by Catherine Ramsland a renowned forensic psychologist who has authored dozens of books, including How to Catch a Killer and The Mind of a Murderer. Oh, wow. And um, she's not making any media statements. And the daughter of the BTK killer, Dennis Rader, reported that Ramsland had and did have close academic relationship and friendship with her father. Um. Let's see what the BT. Oh, I never even heard of the BTK killer. I just looked him up. The BTK strangler or the BTK killer. BTK. BTK <laughs> killer. Between 1974 and 1991, he killed 10 people in Wichita and Park City, Kansas, and sent taunting letters to police and media outlets describing the details of his crimes. So the rumor is, is that the his professor was writing a book or something about the pt is it ptk bt bt btk killer and um so she was in close contact so they rumor has it that brian was in close contact with him as well like writing like his daughter the btk killer is convinced that his her daughter or his daughter his daughter is convinced that brian was in contact i saw an interview on the news with her because she obviously hates her dad and she came out and was like right. talking about it how this woman had a close relationship with her dad because he was she was studying him right i'm looking that up btk killer's daughter sensed her father in the idaho murders had something to do with it yeah that's just like a conspiracy though but I mean, if she, if he was like shadowing yeah. this professor who is writing these books in communication, I mean, mm-hmm. that's her. Did job, you see you know? the Reddit 
the post about the Reddit form that it's been oh, fact that he, he did. did post on Reddit. I did see where I didn't know if it had been confirmed. It is confirmed. It was him. It was in like the affidavit or something. Let's let me pull it up so I can read it. Cobra. Which this goes into the ep- the evidence, but we'll go. Yeah. So do you kind of want to explain or here I can bring it up real quick. So pretty much what happened was is Brian for a class study. He posted a Reddit form um, asking questions to criminals and they wanted he wanted answers for how to get away with the perfect crime. Right. More or less. Let's see. What the heck? Where is it? Let's see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. Okay. Research. So the title of his Reddit post was in the subreddit titled prison, the prison subreddit. And he posted the title research participation needed. So he posts, hello, my name is Brian and I'm inviting you to participate in a research project that seeks to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision-making when committing a crime In particular, this study seeks to understand the story behind your most recent criminal offense with an emphasis on your thoughts and feelings throughout your experience. In the event that your most recent offense was not one that led to a conviction, you may still participate. Additional surveys are included after the open-ended section to best understand your unique traits. The study should take about 15 to 20 minutes to fully complete. So he was asking people who had been to prison Mm-hmm. who had been convicted of crime to participate in this research study that he was mm-hmm. making kind of he he's wanting to analyze their mind essentially and their thoughts and their decision making into what it was like while they were doing that crime which i i understand why people think that he just had this like compulsive it's compulsory a word compulsive like need to just do it yeah. because he was wanting to understand the psychological mm-hmm. draw i guess which yeah. is still psychotic yeah <laughs> still psychotic does it have any of the questions on there uh let's see survey Let's see. Okay. Here's some of the uh, questions that he posted on the survey. What was the first move you made in order to accomplish your goal? Please detail any thoughts and feelings at this point. And then he asked before leaving, is there anything else you did? Then he asks before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? Please detail what you were thinking and feeling. Did you prepare for the crime before leaving your home? Please t- please detail what you were thinking and feeling. After committing the crime, what were you thinking and feeling? Why did you choose that victim or target over others? After arriving, what steps did you take prior to locating the victim or target? So I what mean, that's pretty much like all that's all they need in court right now wanting, is to convict him. <laughs> he's wanting a step by step, like a wiki how. <coughs> yeah, he's trying to he's trying to make sure that he doesn't forget anything that he thinks of everything it's crazy the internet guys the internet is forever yeah (laughs) you're gonna commit a crime don't post it online maybe tip one that's another episode we need to do that one that's on trial right now Letitia or something uh uh she killed her um stepson Oh, uh, Letitia Stouch. Yes, Stock. I'm watching Stouch. the trial um, stuff right now. His body in a suitcase. Yeah, and she claimed that he went missing, and she literally Googled everything under the sun. No, about how how long before a body smells in a bag, like how you know, and like it's funny. It's not funny. That's not funny. But what's funny is like in the court, like her thing is being broadcasted live or whatever or supposedly or something but um 
I just got a notification. Hold on. Uh-oh. For my ring camera, and it says, air tags being placed on vehicles, huge safety risk. Like, near us. Oh, sometimes, um... That's weird. It will, like, give you community updates. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, like lost dogs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway... But her Google searches, and then um, what was funny is that in the courtroom, she got in trouble by the judge because they kept getting it on video of her flipping off the people that were testifying. Oh, my gosh. She would, like, be under the table like this. (gasps) And the judge finally told her, he was like, I will shackle you to the table. And you you will not. Yeah. So then they rearranged the courtroom because she continued to do it. What? And then so then they threatened her and said that she's not going to... um, she, they're going to put her in a holding cell and she's not going to be able to go to her own trial. Here's a uh, court TV. Judge threatens to remove Letitia Stock from courtroom. Yeah. And then I saw one this morning from last week because I'm watching a girl that does updates every week on the trial because it's an um, everyday all day thing. Right. And so she'll post like two hour updates. And I saw one today where she was doing like the heart sign with her hands. Oh my god. And then her and her lawyer were laughing and like giggling and flirting and stuff. Like, has the has the her her husband mm-hmm. has he been like in the trial? Like I don't know his, if he's been on like on like in it or anything. I know that he's like obviously hates her. Right. I think he was out of town when this happened. Oh, Nancy or Grace covered it too. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Not Nancy Grace. She, I watched a video of her. I think it was about the Idaho Four, and um, it was. And she's so opinionated. She had a like, guest appearance from like a detective or something, uh-huh. and he like brought up something from like the 1930s or something. She cut him off mid sentence and was like, "Oh gosh." She said, "I don't know why you're bringing that up. That has nothing to do with this." Uh, and I was like, "Nancy." She's, uh, she's still going at it she is still going at it she's man she's She's some she's crazy she's a crazy gal and then like every video she does about the idaho four she always addresses brian she's like brian i know you're watching this just know (laughs) girl i don't think he's watching you from his cell also he's vegan and he's lost a bunch of weight and they're comparing him to ted bundy because ted bundy escaped because he lost so much weight I think Ted Bunny escaped twice. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. He's so, like, Brian looks scary. Yeah. He looks like Ted Bundy. How many times did Ted Bundy escape? Yeah, Google that. Fact check me while we're here. Could be somebody else. It might not even be Ted Bundy. Bundy escaped. Let's see. Uh, two dramatic escapes. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Ashley knows her crime. <laughs> <laughs> crime cast. Anyway, so this is our first episode, I think. I think so. I think that we can. I think it's cutoff time. I yeah. think we're good to go for round two. Uh-oh. Maybe take a little break for a snacky snack. Yeah. Get your popcorn, y'all. Get your popcorn, because we're going to delve into some more details in part two okay oh my gosh so exciting so exciting all right guys we'll see you in the next episode thanks for listening bye bye